a birthing sound. Last week, we talked about this idea of a purifying sound. That at Pentecost, something happened in the upper room. And we, we know and we've taught that basically what happened in the upper room, um, they were filled with Holy Spirit and fire appeared above their heads. And the very next thing they were doing was preaching to people and 3,000 people got saved. And what we talked about was the purifying sound, the sound that should come out of, our, uh, out of our lips, if you will, should be a sound that would edify God, build God, and build up people. The church has far too long been pushing people down, and we wonder why they don't want to walk in our doors. The sound that needs to come out of our mouths as men and women of God, as children of God, sons of God, daughters of God, is a sound that would cause people to know who he is. And I felt like we really needed to get into this a little more because there's so much to it that I believe is a key, essential thing for your life. One of the things that has really changed my life and shifted my life over the years is understanding there is something powerful about what comes out of your mouth. I believe really to understand sound is the key to everything in the kingdom. And I want to remind you that Pentecost was an appointed time that God set for the people of Israel for everyone to gather in Jerusalem to bring offerings and sacrifices to God. If you remember, all these people were coming in Jerusalem bringing sacrifices and offerings to God because they were remembering something. For Pentecost, the thing that they were remembering was actually a time when they were in the wilderness. If you remember, if you've you've never heard the story, or maybe you have forgotten the story, in short, they were in Egypt in bondage, uh, slaves to the the Egyptians. It was a hard life. God raised someone up by the name of Moses and said, hey, I want you to go get my people. As as the, the movie says, let my people go. And he goes in and he leads the people out. And as he gets on the other side of the Red Sea, the famous story of Moses parting the sea, or rather the more correct thing would be God parting the sea through Moses, they get to the other side of the sea, and God says, I want to take you to a land, a promised land, flowing with milk and honey. This promised land was the thing that, 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 that it, it, was, it was the big promise, the thing that they all wanted to get to. I think we can all kind of have that idea of a promised land idea for our lives, that place we want to get to, that place where we want to be. You know, the place where there's no drama in your family, right? That place where everything goes well, that place where we have no need, Right? We all had that idea of promised land. Well, God told the, Egyptian, or the Israelites, hey, I've taken you out of Egypt. I want to bring you to this promised land. So they start going to this promised land through a period called the wilderness. And in the wilderness, it took a little bit longer than intended. As a matter of fact, they spent 40 years in the wilderness. The incredible thing was it was only an 11-day walk. The place where God was taking these people, it was only an 11-day journey, and it took them 40 years to get there. We're going to get into that a little bit in a, in a few seconds, but I want you to understand, in this wilderness, they were doing a lot of things that wasn't exactly pleasing to God. And God was not going to allow them to get to the promised place with the attitudes that was coming out of their mouths the things that that was going on. 
So in the wilderness, they didn't have really much to sustain on. They didn't have the milk. They didn't have the honey. They didn't have the best meat in the land. They didn't have anything. So God provided for them in these 40 years. That's what Pentecost was all about. We're going to give you our grain offerings as remembering that you provided for us in this wilderness period. Does that make sense? So Pentecost is remembering, God, we're giving you all this stuff because you provided for us. And in this wilderness time, God provided a certain thing for them. Does anyone know what that thing was called? Manna. Manna. Manna, if you literally translate it from the ancient Hebrew, means simply this. What is it? It was like they wanted a, you know, like, like a 12-ounce like a steak, you know, served for me me medium well. And some of y'all are like, no, you can't do that to a steak. That's just horrible. It, it wasn't like they had like, you know, like, like the, the, the peppercorn sirloin with the onions on top. And the, and I, not that I thought about this at all. But they, 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 they didn't have that. What God provided was something that said, they looked at it and said, what is it? But it sustained them. It was manna from heaven to sustain them through this wilderness area. In the wilderness, God will provide for you. But it's not always what you think you may need. Because he gives you something, and oftentimes if something he gives you, your response could be, what is that? It's kind of like, God, I asked you for a raise. What is this? <laughs> this isn't a raise. And oftentimes, I'm going to give you an example, God, I want a raise. God gives you the manna of peace. And we say, well... Thanks for the peace, it's sustaining me, but I didn't want peace. I wanted the raise. I wanted the favor. I wanted the money and the job. Manna says, you want the raise, I'm giving you peace. Well, why do I need peace? Because he says, peace produces a joy that causes your boss to say, I want to keep you. Eventually getting to the promised land of a raise. But oftentimes, he brings you a peace or a rest and a comfort, and we get frustrated at the peace because it's, what is that? What is this? I asked for this, you gave me that. Oftentimes, God will give you things that doesn't look like what you prayed for, but it's something to sustain you through a wilderness season. What is a wilderness season? You are taking way too long to get to your promised land because the sound coming out your mouth does not give you access to the promise. Why would he give you anything to steward if you're complaining about what you're stewarding now? So he says, oh, you want this? Well, I'm going to give you that. What's funny, again, they were praising God for providing for them this 40 years in the wilderness when it was only about an 11-day journey. That's the love of God. He will provide for you even when you're walking in a season longer than he intended you to walk in. As long as your journey is in pursuit of him. It wasn't just any wilderness. This was a wilderness time on the way to a promise. They're, they were following the way of God. We're going toward this thing. But they were taking a little too long. It's kind of like people were fighting. They were bickering. 
did, did, did this sound different? Did this turn down? They were fighting. They were bickering. They were complaining. And as they were fighting, and as they were bickering, and as they were complaining, you know what that sound produced? It was called law, the Ten Commandments. Okay. God started telling them because they could not handle getting to a promised land in 11 days. They were fighting. They were bickering. They were even getting to the point of making false altars eventually. They were doing all this stuff. And, and, and God says, okay, I'm going to teach you how to build altars. I'm going to teach you how to obey. I'm going to teach you how to handle disputes. I'm going to teach you how to handle stolen property. You name it, God said it. And then he said, here's Ten Commandments. Why couldn't they just walk with God? They were fighting among themselves because they complained about a journey on the way to promise. And, and many of us have a promise, a vision, a thought, this idea or goal, and the only thing that we can produce, unfortunately, is a sound that produces behavior management called law. So because all we can do is complain about our situation, we need law to get us in line. So we have people that go to church, not necessarily they're pursuing God, but it starts with, I need to get some things in order. And hopefully that turns into, oh, it's not necessarily I need to get things in order, it's I need to fall in love with my creator, which brings order. Yeah. Right? Do you realize that the original plan was not Ten Commandments? Something's feeding back up here, if you could take me out of these monitors. The original plan was not Ten Commandments. If that was the original plan, the Ten Commandments would have been given to Adam and Eve. Jesus existed in the Garden of Eden as the Word. Jesus is the Word that became flesh. So when God spoke, that spoken Word was the existence of Jesus in the Garden of Eden. The plan was never, let me give you ten ways to manage your behavior. The plan was, walk with me, depend on me, I've given you everything you need to walk perfectly. But with the sound of complaining and bickering and all these things, he says, hey, I'm going to give you what I know you need to get you to a promised land of all that you want. I know you want the fruit and the meat and the milk, but for right now, I'm giving you whatever it is that I see fit. Why am I building all this up? Your sound produces something. Your sound produces something. Whether it's pleasing to God or not, your sound produces something. Proverbs 18.21 says this, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Just keep that up there. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. You can eat fruit of one of two things. Death or life. It's not that God is bringing those options to you. It's that your sound under the authority of your mind will produce one of two things, life or death. It's not like God says, hey, I want you to choose life or death. 
He actually said never eat from a tree that will cause you to know the difference. He says there's a law in your makeup. Whatever comes out your mouth, it's going to produce one of two things. And it's going to produce life or death. If all you can ever say is I will never or I cannot or this is too much or I cannot handle, you will eat the fruit that that produces. So if all that comes out of your mouth is, I cannot handle it, don't be surprised when you lose that battle. Because you are loving the sound of I can't, so you produce a fruit that you're going to eat of. Is this making sense? But if you say something like, I can do this, or maybe a better thing of, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If you believe that and you say that in the midst of your wilderness season of all this stuff coming against you, then the thing that's produced is not a death, it is a life and you will eat the fruit of that life. The thing about free will is that we can make decisions that God had nothing to do with. Hear hear me. The thing with free will is that we are capable of making decisions that God had nothing to do with. And we can also create things that God had nothing to do with. God did not create a 40-year wilderness journey for the Israelites. He created an 11-day walk. But because of their decisions and the sound that was coming out of their lips, they produced 40 years of wandering where God wanted them to get there in 11 days. But the love of God says, you're creating a 40-year journey that was never intended, but I will use every step of that 40-year journey to work it for your good. He didn't plan it. He's working it. So he says, as long as you produce that fruit, you get what is it? When you start producing the right sound to get the better fruit, I'll bring you into land flowing with milk and honey. And a lot of us want the thing, the destiny, the promised land, the end result, the church. We always say things like we want to see unity. We want to see peace. We want to see love. But the sound we are creating, I believe, has birthed a wilderness journey for the global church. What we have lost is the understanding that the way God produces things has always had something to do with sound. Is this okay? Okay. Now, Pee Wee pointed something out to me last week as I was preaching, as he usually does. He doesn't listen. He just scrolls through his Bible app. (laughs) No, he was listening to the message last week, and he pointed something out. And I asked if I could have some permission to go there this week. And he said, yes, so I'm going to get there in a minute. But I want to build it up because i got to drive it home. I want us to watch and see what happened at Pentecost. In Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, throw it up there and read it with me. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames of tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. Now, if you remember, I said this. They did not experience the wind. They heard a sound like a wind. 
When did not come in the upper room. What they experienced was a loud sound like a mighty rushing wind. The father released a sound, and the sound filled the room. But something we need to see is that the sound was produced with the praise of the people. Their praise and waiting for God to show up for the next thing invited a new sound from heaven to fill the room. If you remember, Jesus left and he says, wait. I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. He didn't tell them to wait three days. He didn't say to fast 21 days in January. He didn't say to pray 25 minutes a day at the same time every day. He didn't give them a formula. He didn't give them rhythm. He just said, I want you to wait for me. I'm sending you a helper. And they were so convinced that he was truthful that they did just that. They went to a room, 120 of them, and they simply waited. And as they waited, 120 turned into 121. Because person of Holy Spirit came into the room. Filled them. And here's the thing. They didn't just stay in the upper room for days and ask God to bring the sound again. They did not stay in that upper room and say, God, release the sound again. That was amazing. Do it again. Oh, that was a great experience. What they did was ate of its fruit. What was the fruit of it? Well, all these believers were in Jerusalem coming to Pentecost, right? They were coming to celebrate giving all these grain offerings to God, saying, we remember what you did in the wilderness. So all these people were in Jerusalem, and they heard a... And they said, what is that? Which is kind of funny because they were celebrating the provision of manna, meaning what is it? And they heard a sound, and they said, what, what that? And they went to the room... And they, they, they were, tell us what's going on here. And Peter doesn't look at them and say, well, y'all just missed it. Y'all should have been to church all these days, but y'all, we've been by ourselves. And they didn't do any of that. You know what Peter started doing? Peter didn't start saying, well, you got this problem, and you got that problem, and you're doing this. He didn't do any of that. He just said, let me tell you who the Father is. Let me tell you who Jesus is. Let me tell you what he did to me. And you know what the fruit was? It was a true Pentecost offering, because where they were bringing grains, the people in the the 120 in the upper room gave a harvest grain offering of 3,000 people getting saved in one moment. This was the fruit. The sound brought people there, and the people were redeemed. And I believe many of us have appointed times of fruit bearing, but we fail to eat of the fruit because when we see heaven open, all the church has taught us to do is to keep looking at heaven. Instead of understanding what is birthed into the earth from an open portal, an open gate, an open door. It's what we all talk about the days of revival. Pentecostal churches are horrible at this. The biggest idol in the Pentecostal church are revivals. Because we think, God, do that again. When we should have simply started eating of its fruit. 
Instead, what we did was when things started to pour out, like thousands coming to beaches to get baptized or thousands understanding or experiencing healing or thousands understanding who Jesus was for the first time, what we did was we tried to put a system in to recreate the same experience. They didn't do that in the upper room. They didn't say, well, that was 10 days of praying. So what we're going to do is for the first 10 days of every month of the Hebrew festivals, we're going to pray and it's going to happen. They didn't do any of that. They said what was produced was there is an authority on our lips. There is a sound that was released, and now we're carrying that sound. You see, the church has focused on building experiences, which are good, but the experience is worth nothing if they don't birth something for everyone to eat of. That's the problem with religion. It has become, let me come and get wrapped up in an experience, and we never take it anywhere. These people who were in Jerusalem heard this sound produced, and what's crazy is that they never heard the sound that invited it. They heard the sound like the wind, but they never heard the 120 people praying for 10 days. And one of the things that happens in church is we, we like to see things moving. And when things sometimes don't seem like they're moving, we either try to just do a lot of stuff to give the appearance, the appearance of something moving, almost like a car that has no engine but the wheels are turning. Or what we try to do is start to come up with excuses as to why God's not in the church anymore. And we find reasons to shift. What we have got to understand, it's not about always seeing things move as understanding that there is something about a sound that is released that can produce something that we may never experience. Do you understand the power of people coming together and giving worship and praise to God? And that sound, that vibration of wind, did you know that that's what sound is? It's simply a vibration of wind. When it's released into the atmosphere, it's released. And there's an invitation for heaven to respond to what we're releasing. But if all a church can do is release a sound of, I wish we could grow, I wish we were bigger, I wish we could buy a building, I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish, nothing is going to be released that's a fruit that people actually want to eat. It's not about hearing the sound for us. This is the key. It is about releasing a sound that births. Sound will always birth something. Are y'all okay? Okay. Sound will always birth something. And with that, I'm going to go into what Pee Wee saw. I want to bring you to Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Nothing was created yet. 
There were no ears to hear. But God still spoke. Don't get too ahead of me on the scriptures. Yeah, I know, I know. Just leave it up there. There was, there was no ears to hear. But God still spoke something. And this is what he spoke. He started beginning to speak to the, the sky and the waters. And look what he says in verse 9. God said, let the waters beneath the sky flow together in one place so that dry ground may appear. And that's what happened. God called the dry ground land and the water seas. And God saw that it was good. When God spoke, everything responded. His sound caused light to come forth. It caused sky to come forth. It caused the ground to be birthed out of the sea. His sound birthed something into a formless, empty earth. The earth was created with a sound that no one could hear. You ever heard of that proverb, if a tree falls in the forest and there's no one, if there's no one around to hear it, doesn't make a sound? This is the answer. Yes, because sound is simply the vibrations of air. That's it. You hearing it does not qualify it. Just like the people in Jerusalem not hearing the prayers of 120 people for 10 days qualified them to hear the sound of a mighty rushing wind. The vibrations of God's voice caused the earth to respond. So the very earth reveals a creator and that in its makeup, it was birthed from sound. Perhaps that's why we see this when Jesus was coming into Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. Watch what happens. Luke 19, 36. As he rode along, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. When he reached the place where the road started on the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they, bled, as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven. Glory in the highest heaven. But some of the church people, <laughs> but some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. You know what he replied? If they keep quiet, the stones or the rocks will cry out. Why can rocks cry out? Because they were created with sound. The scripture says that a seed produces after its own kind. In Genesis, when we were created, God didn't look to the earth. He looked at himself and informed us. When he spoke, the word caused something to respond, and earth was created. Land was created. The rocks were created with the very vibrations and sounds of God. People always debate in the church about can rocks give off vibrations and energy. Absolutely. Why? Because it was created with vibration. The issue is people worship the sound instead of coming into agreement with the sound the rock's making. It's not, oh, I need this rock because it's got a, it's got a sound. It's, I'm, I am praising God just like the rocks. Yeah. 
the very makeup of earth created with sound. Why would they cry? Why would they cry out? Because the sound that was created, the sound that created these rocks, the moment Jesus was coming down this road, the rocks identified with something that was happening. Because the sound that was spoken in Genesis just came in on a donkey. Because the word that created the rocks, John 1, 14, so the word became human or flesh. The word became flesh and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love, full of faithfulness. We've seen his glory, the glory of the Father's only Son. So the rocks would praise because the sound it's been looking for just showed up in human form. That's why we see this in Romans 8, 20 through 22. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Keep that up there. The earth did not do anything to deserve a curse. The earth was cursed because the earth was always subjected to the authority of man. So all the earth wants is, I'm tired of dying. I'm tired of decaying. I'm tired of no order. I, I'm in chaos. I, I can't, the earth says, I can't even control weather patterns. They're killing people. There's hurricanes, there's tornadoes, there's earthquakes, there's lava coming out of volcanoes, there's mudslides. The earth says, I need a sound to put me in subject. And when the sound came walking down the street or riding down the street on a donkey, everyone started saying amen, and when someone says don't do that, he says, oh, even if you don't, the thing I created, it just heard the sound it was created for, and when I showed up. What does that mean? Why could Jesus rebuke a storm in the boat? Because the waves recognized a sound. And when you were redeemed in the name of Jesus, there is something significant about the sound that comes from your lips. So when you say things like, I can never do this, you're actually creating failure before you experience it. A seed produces after its own kind. Watch what the earth did when it was created with the sound. Genesis 1, 11 through 12. Then God said, let the land sprout with vegetation. Every sort of seed-bearing plant and trees that grow seed-bearing fruit. These seeds will then produce the kinds of plants and trees from which they came. That's what happened. The land produced vegetation. All sort of seed-bearing plants, trees with seed-bearing fruit. Their seeds produced plants and trees of the same kind. God saw that it was good. God did not say, let there be plants. He spoke to the thing he created with his sound and said, land, you produce. Didn't even create animals. He said, produce. 
and it came forth. In the same way with man, we were formed from the dust of the ground, but our life was not produced from the ground. Our life was produced from the, the breath of God. God, his sound caused the land to birth something. What was birthed out of the land? All potential that was in the land when it was first created. Because when he said, when, when he spoke the land into existence, with the power of his sound, the land had a, a predestined ability to produce all of these things. But the land didn't know it until God said to do it. God did not make the trees. He spoke potential into the ground and it obeyed. Because sound will always produce. The question tonight is what is your sound producing? Do you realize that when God spoke you into existence, breathed his life into you, do you realize that the things he spoke over you, do you realize that your makeup has all potential to produce everything that you were ever created to produce? But God's will is not the only thing that will allow the things in you to come forth. It's your agreement with his will. And if you spend most of your time speaking against the will of God, when you might not even know what the will is, you're actually hindering that production. You're hindering your birth process. Because for some reason, your I can't, you believe more than his you can. Sound birthed something. There was a time when the disciples were in prison. And in Acts 16.24, it says the jailer put them into the inner dungeon, clamped their feet in the stocks. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake. I'm going to pause right there. Do you realize what just happened? The earth responded to a sound and had an earthquake in the right way. And the prison was shaken to its foundations. The doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. They didn't complain about being trapped. They didn't complain about being stuck. They didn't say things like, this is all it's ever going to be. They produced a sound that birthed an open portal of heaven to respond to the needs of the earth. And doors opened and chains fell. Why? Because the right sound was produced in that particular environment. Let me read this. Matthew 8, 5 through 9. This is good tonight? Okay. When Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him. Lord, my young servant lies in bed, paralyzed, and in terrible pain. Jesus says, well, I'll come heal him. But the officer said, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come to my home. Just say the word from where you are, and my servant will be healed. I know this because I am under the authority of my superior officers. I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go, and they go, or come, and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. Now, later on, we see that that young servant was healed. Here's the key. The young boy did not need to hear the prayer. 
all that needed <laughs> all that needed to happen was a sound needed to be re- re- a, a sound needed to be released. And when it was released, he never heard it, but he ate the fruit of the sound. What sound? The same sound that the rocks have been crying out for. The sound that sounded like the one that was given in Genesis 1-1. And this soldier, he understood kingdom. Because he says, I get it, Jesus. He says, I'm a man under authority. I see that you are a king because all you need to do is speak a thing for it to happen. You see, in a kingdom, when the king says something, it is. There is no arguing. If the king looks at the sky and calls it red, he's not wrong. The sky turns red. In the same way, when God looks at someone that is sick and he calls them healed, God's not wrong. We, 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 we prayed for Peter a couple weeks ago about some cancer. And some of you know that his wife was healed over a year ago now, being paralyzed for 20 years in a wheelchair. She's walking. She's doing great. Well, this is Peter's time when he's struggling with some cancer. And every time I've spoken to Peter, it's almost like he, he doesn't even, he's not even aware that he's diagnosed. He's just like, oh, I'm good. And they, got a, and they told him that his kidneys were failing, that he had to go to surgery, and he's, he's still going through this process. But they got some results last week that the cancer has gone from stage four to stage three. And that his right kidney is now able to fully function. In other words, he is experiencing the fruit of a sound. It, it, science, science, science proves that when you speak to plants, they grow better. Why? Because they're finally hearing the sound that they've been crying out for. I, I didn't even realize the songs, but that I hear the sound of dry bones. They heard the sound of the dry bones rattling before they started rattling. Hmm. <laughs> You see, when we're redeemed in Jesus, we carry a sound that the earth and the world has been longing for. The question is, are we stewarding that sound correctly? Instead of a sound that's been birthing death and decay, we need to be releasing a sound that produces life. I'm tired of my marriage. You're going to eat of that fruit. That, that, that hit home somewhere. There was just like a... God said, let the earth produce. And all potential in the earth was birthed. Vegetation, animals, everything. Jesus once told a a story about a farmer scattering many seeds. And he spoke in a parable. A parable means this did not actually happen. This is an illustration. So he says in Luke 8, 4, one day Jesus told a story in the form of a parable to a large crowd that had gathered from many towns to hear him. A farmer went out to plant a seed. As he scattered it across the field, some seed fell on a footpath where it was stepped on, birds ate it. Other seed fell among rocks that began to grow, but the plant soon wilted and died for lack of moisture. Other seed fell among thorns that were grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seed fell on fertile soil. 
This seed grew and produced a crop that was a hundred times as much had been planted. When he had said this, he called out, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Now what happens next is his disciples, this is not up there yet, he says, Jesus, what does this mean? And Jesus' response was, I'm going to tell you because you're listening. They're not. He says, I'm teaching these people in parables for them to get it when their ears will open. But right now, I'm telling you because your ears are actually open. And this is what he says in verse 11. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is God's word. Verse 15. And the seeds or and the word that fell on the good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently produce a huge harvest. Word is what produces. His sound is searching for a place to land. Where his word is looking for a place to land where it will birth all it's intended to birth. Why do we see waves of revival? Because in a moment, the word sees good soil. Why do we see sprouts every now and then? Because every now and then, the word gets in the ground. But sometimes it's not watered. Sometimes it's not taken care of. Sometimes we get these moments of freedom in our lives. But yet, even in the freedom, we start to produce a sound like, this won't last. Or maybe we don't produce a sound that gives praise to the one who brought the word, who brought the sound, that brought healing, or brought the manifestation, or brought the peace, or brought the joy. You see, I believe that the word, the sound, the thing out of God's mouth, everything intended, his will is for it to be birthed. What the church has missed is we think all that needed to be produced was Jesus. Listen, we think all that needs to be produced is Jesus. There's a reason he is called the first fruit. He is the first of many. Jesus came to rebirth a people that would carry a sound that would cause all that was ever intended to produce to finally happen. It's not, it's all in Jesus. It's all in a people in agreement with what Jesus did and who he is. We are redeemed, so the sound we carry is actually the sound from his lips. And the sound from his lips is simply the spoken word of the Father. And Holy Spirit comes because he says, you need help. Because you live in a fallen world, you live in a fallen flesh, your mind is not totally redeemed, your mind is still need to be processed, so I'm going to help you get there. And the worst thing we've ever done is we said we need to be ready to do these things. When God says, no, you don't, I'm sending you a helper because you're never technically going to be ready. You're ready is the moment you said yes. Now, how many of you would agree that we need all the help we can get to produce and birth all the things the earth needs, all the things this world needs? 
Would you agree that we need all the help we can get? Watch this. The earth and all that's in the earth are not the only things looking for a sound. Psalm 103, this, this gets me jumping. Psalm 103, 19 through 22. The Lord has made the heavens his throne. From there he rules over everything. Praise the Lord, you angels, you mighty ones who carry out his plans, listening for each of his commands. Yes, praise the Lord, you armies of angels who serve him and do his will. Praise the Lord, everything he has created, everything in all his kingdom, let all that I am praise the Lord. Did you catch that? Angels are listening for a sound. What sound? Throw a verse 20 up there if you don't mind. Two, two verses before. They're listening for his commands. To do what? See to it that his plans are carried out. They are listening for the sounds of his plans and will. They're listening for each of his commands. What we have failed to understand is when we are speaking into the plans that God has over us, angels don't need to just hear the plans from the mouth of God. They just need to hear his plans. Did you know that the scripture says that we will judge the angels? Did you know that? Did you know that the scripture tells us that angels are actually for our benefit? You see, what we need to understand is that angels hear and go toward the sound that's in alignment with his will. So when you start speaking things that God has shown you, like I am going to have a successful marriage, I'm going to have a successful career, if it's in line with his plan, angels go... They go right to that sound and they're committed to seeing the plans come to pass. So it's not even just Holy Spirit. It's Holy Spirit and every angel that God intended to hear that plan come to pass. Now, all angels were made like that. All. You know what all means in the Greek? All. Angels aid in things that need to be birthed. In the same way that all the angels were made like this, there are certain ones who are looking for a sound that conflicts with God's will called demons. Fallen angels. I, I, personally, I think we need to take the word demon away and just call them what they are. They're fallen angels. I don't think they're worthy of a name. Okay, that's fine. These fallen angels were designed to go toward and carry out a sound. So the ones that fell out of rebellion are looking for a sound that conflicts with his will. So when you start speaking things like, I cannot, fallen angels run toward that sound. And then you start hearing whispers of, you're not good enough. And you have two choices. You can listen to the whispers of the fallen or listen to the truth of your Lord. That is, what, that is what spiritual warfare is. 
Demons do not have any power over you. Demons cannot do anything to you. All demons can do is suggest something and they get authority when you agree. They can't just come out of nowhere. It's when they heard a sound, they started whispering, and you said yes. They're not doing anything other than feeding into the thing that you just let out. Because they want to see that seed revealed. In other words, the death was produced and they're coming to eat of that fruit. And they want you to eat of it too. Angels are listening for the sound of God. The earth did too. So when God said, let the earth bring forth, it responded. And the world is yearning for that sound to put everything in order. And we always say things like that. The things need to be put in order. But what do, we, what do I mean by putting it in order? The sound you make should not be only when you're reacting to a situation. Focus on me. The sound you make should not just be us reacting to a situation. The question is, what sound do we make when nothing is happening? Because there's something powerful about releasing a new sound. Psalm 98.1, this is what I'm closing with. Sing a new song to the Lord, for he has done wonderful deeds. His right hand has won a mighty victory. His holy arm has shown a saving power. This is what I want you to notice. Just leave that up there. Did you notice that the first sound that the earth heard was from the voice of God, and the voice of God came in the midst of nothing happening? The earth was formless, it was void, it was empty, and nothing was happening. And a new sound was released, and stuff started producing. In the same way, when they were in the upper room, a new sound came. And you know when it came into the upper room? When nothing was happening. There was no miracles. There was no manifestations. It was just a bunch of people coming together and saying, Nothing is going on. Nothing is happening in the church. But we're releasing a sound. And when they released a sound in the middle of nothing happening, stuff started happening. And what we need to understand is we do not need to be a, pe a people waiting for God to pour something out. We need to be a people releasing a new sound that invites God to pour something out. In 1 Kings 18, when Elijah was praying for rain, before a rain cloud could ever be seen, in the middle of a drought, he said, eat and drink, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. He heard a sound. But there was no rain. There wasn't even a cloud at this point. The very next scripture, he, they said, what, 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 do you see any evidence of this? And he said, oh, look, there's a, there's a tiny little cloud. Before he even saw the cloud, he said, I hear a sound. And you know what he did? He started acting accordingly. 
in Ezekiel 43. It says the glory of God was coming and his voice was like the sound of many waters. Both times, the sound of God was like into water. We get baptized or fully immersed in water as a way to show who are we consumed by. So when the sound came into the upper room, they were filled with Holy Spirit. They were baptized in a sound. They were baptized in the very thing that everyone else heard as water. They were baptized in a sound and it started producing stuff. It produced a, 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 a man named Peter who days before didn't even think that Jesus rose from the dead. He was questioning everything. He went back fishing. He was cutting the ears off. He was doing, thing, he was doing everything that God told him not to do. And when a sound was released, Peter started walking in true identity. It wasn't, I got to get ready. It was, I'm, I am releasing a sound of agreement with, 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 with manna. I don't know what's going to happen. And then that sound in the midst of nothing produced something, and all of a sudden Peter starts preaching. 3,000 people were added. Why am I saying all this tonight? I believe at this time we understand, understand a very simple, powerful kingdom principle. When we begin to release birthing sounds in the right direction, we open heaven's gates to be baptized in the sound of heaven. And when we're baptized in the sound of heaven, it causes things to shift in the earth. And that's when we see his kingdom come and his will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. The gates of heaven open up when we start releasing the thing that causes things to be birthed. So church, let's begin taking authority over every sound we release so that he is revealed in all things. Amen. Amen. Let's stand.